We're talking about making decisions. Decisions are very important in our lives. They're important for our day-to-day -day life, and they also are important really for our eternal destinies. We're in a message series called Need Direction, and I can answer that question saying, yes, I need direction in my life. In my life, I need God to show me how to make decisions that are honoring to Him. Several weeks ago, we looked at the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God gives us basic principles that we can apply to the decisions that we make. What is right, what is wrong. Uh, and secondly, last week, we looked at the need for good counsel. How godly people in our lives can speak uh, into our lives and give us counsel and help in the decisions that we make. This week, we're going to look at how to get some direction from God himself. You know, he is the one who knows everything, and God can help us to make the decisions we need to make in life. And I've entitled today's message, Patient Prayer. Patient Prayer. Prayer, of course, is how we communicate with God. We pray to God, and God speaks to us. A lot of people do a lot of speaking to God and haven't learned how to listen. And we need to learn how to listen to what God is saying to us. And so prayer brings supernatural guidance into our lives. We need supernatural guidance in order to make wise, godly decisions. You know, if we had some huge computer and we can compile all the data of everything that's happened in the past and use that to determine how to make decisions, it still wouldn't be good enough. Because no computer, nothing we could look at, none of us here knows what the future is going to bring. There's only one person who knows what the future is going to bring. Now, who is that? That's God himself. And so God has that data about the future. He knows the future. He understands the future. He, he operates. He moves in the spiritual realm, the realm that we cannot see with our eyes. And we need that guidance from him in order to make decisions for the future. Prayer opens our eyes up to this unseen spiritual realm in which God wants to give us guidance. I'd like us to watch an intriguing video called Without Prayer to give us a little more insight into what prayer can do for our lives. I like that video. It, it illustrates how many people can go through life thinking that they're seeing clearly and yet they are not. In reality, they're only seeing blurred images of life. Without prayer, we cannot see clearly. What we see around us isn't the whole reality. What we can see with our eyes isn't all there is. There's a supernatural dimension. There's a spiritual dimension that we cannot see without prayer. Without prayer, the Bible tells us we're just simply stumbling in the darkness. We can't see the pitfalls, the holes, the stones in front of us. The things that God can see and warn us about. Without prayer... Our decisions will not take into account what's going to happen in the future. And yes, God does know the future, as I've already mentioned before. And he can reveal that future to us. He can reveal to us the decisions that are going to take into account what's going to happen in the future. With prayer, we gain wisdom. We gain insight from God to understand clearly what's going on around us and how we are to respond have you ever said something like, if I had only known what was going to happen, I wouldn't have made that decision? 
and say, well, how can we know what's going to happen? Well, God can give us wisdom. So we can be prepared for whatever is going to happen. Now, most believers know that they should seek God's direction for the decisions that they make, and yet many don't. Sometimes people think, this decision I have to make isn't important to God. I don't want to bother God. He's, he's got too much to do to worry about this little decision, so I'm not going to bother God. And that's really not an educated choice to make. God has no lack of capacity to give you guidance for your decision, whether it's big, whether it's little. Other people can't find time to pray. God, I, I don't know what to do, but I don't have time to pray. I just, I just have to do something. And so they go ahead without seeking God's direction for the decision they have to make. Other people aren't sure that God will answer their prayer. God, I don't know if I ask you if I'm going to hear anything, and so I'm just not going to bother to ask. Some people don't know what to ask. They don't know how to pray. But the Bible clearly tells us that God wants to give you direction. God wants to give you guidance in the decisions that you have to make in life. And today we're going to learn how to receive that direction. The first verse we're going to look at is from James chapter 1. I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the verses written out as well as the outline. And on the back are some study questions that you can go over on your own to dig in a little more deeply. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, is there anybody here who ever lacks wisdom? Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. So if you come to the point where you lack wisdom, and if you're honest, if you're humble, most decisions we lack wisdom. We, we don't know all the data. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And we need to submit those decisions to God. We need to ask Him for wisdom. In fact, God's Word here says we should. He should ask God. In fact, that's a command. Ask God for wisdom. And there's a promise here that if you ask, God will provide it to you. It will be given to you. But we must believe and not doubt. We must believe. If you say, God, I need wisdom, but I really don't think he's going to tell me, you're not going to receive any wisdom. But if you believe that when you ask, God is going to answer, God's going to give you that wisdom, then you will receive the wisdom that you need. Now today, the message is called patient prayer. And there's a reason the word patient is in there because sometimes we need patience when we pray because, as we'll see, the answer doesn't immediately come. And so we want to learn how to better connect with God through prayer, through patient prayer, to receive the direction that we need in life. And so we're going to be looking at some teaching of Jesus on prayer in Luke chapter 11. And as we learn to pray, we need to follow Jesus' example. Verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. 
Now, as you read through the Gospels, which are the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I find it interesting that we see Jesus prayed a lot. There's a lot of times it's recorded that Jesus rose up early in the morning and went and prayed. Usually it was by himself. He usually prayed by himself. Sometimes he stayed up late at night and prayed by himself. Now Jesus was fully God and fully man. Why did he need to pray? Why was prayer so important to Jesus? I believe that Jesus prayed for many of the same reasons that we pray. First of all, he was communicating with his heavenly father. Prayer is how he communicated. He spoke to his father and his father spoke in return to him. They were communicating. Jesus prayed to request things from his father. In the few prayers we have recorded of what Jesus said, he asked his father to do certain things. And the father answered his prayer. And he received what he requested. And of course, Jesus prayed to provide an example for you and I to pray. Jesus prayed. If Jesus had to pray, how dare we think we can get through life without praying? Jesus, the very Son of God, spent time daily praying to God. And so should we. Jesus was very busy in his life. We all say we're busy. We don't have time. Jesus compressed a ministry that changed the world into three years. And the world has been impacted for the last 2,000 years. He was busy from sunup to sundown. People were clamoring to talk to him. People were clamoring to be healed. People wanted to follow him. And others wanted to destroy him. He was busy from morning to night. And yet he always found time to pray. And his disciples who lived life with him for these three years saw Jesus' pattern. They saw him praying and they said, we want to pray like that. We think it's important. We see it's important for you, Jesus. Teach us how to pray. And so Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And we have a record of what he taught his disciples. We're going to look at part of that record today. And if, if these words of Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, then if we properly understand it, it can teach us how to pray. Now, the first part of Jesus' teaching in Luke has been called the Lord's Prayer. It's a little more expanded version in Matthew, but we're going to look at, we're going to look at this passage in, in uh, Luke. And the very first couple of verses have to do with what's called the Lord's Prayer. It's been memorized by millions, if not billions of people. Uh, many people can say it by heart, and yet this is not really a prayer that should just be recited by rote. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, da-da-da-da-da. And, okay, I've got a brownie point in heaven because I just said, and our Father. That's not what the Lord's Prayer is, how it's meant to be used. It's an example prayer that teaches how to pray. Not to use these exact words, but the principles of how to pray. And we're going to briefly review it this morning. The, the prayer starts with praying, not for ourselves, but for God's kingdom. In verse 2, he said to them, he's Jesus speaking to his disciples, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And so again, Jesus' example prayer begins not with our needs, it begins with God. It begins with praising God for who he is. Hallowed be your name. It involves requesting God 
that his kingdom would come. Now, what does that mean? I don't believe the primary meaning is that, God, may your kingdom come, may Jesus return and wrap everything up. I mean, that's the ultimate, the ultimate kingdom coming when Jesus returns and brings a new heavens and new earth. But it's a request for the kingdom to come now. It's a request for the kingdom to come into our lives, into our families, into our church, into our communities. And what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the sphere in which God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a sphere in which God is being pleased, in which God is being obeyed, in which people who are believers are submitting their lives to Jesus Christ. And so we need direction and guidance in our lives so that we can be part of that kingdom coming, so that the kingdom can come through our lives. We need God's direction. We need God's guidance. Secondly, we do get to pray for our needs. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. Now this can encompass all the needs that we have in life. But today we're going to concentrate on the need for direction and guidance, which I believe is one of the most important needs that we have. Now as we look at this request, give us each day our daily bread, how often should we pray this prayer? At least daily, right? At least every day we need to pray this prayer because we have needs each and every day. Whether it's a big decision coming up or life is just going on, we need the daily bread of God's wisdom, of God's guidance in our lives. Without his wisdom, we won't fulfill his plan for our days and ultimately for our lives. So we pray for our needs. And finally, we pray for forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. When we don't receive God's guidance, when we make decisions on our own, when we go our own way rather than God's way, the Bible calls that sin. When you neglect to get decision, uh, guidance from God and make decisions on your own, it's not right. And so we ask for forgiveness. And God's forgiveness of us is conditional on our forgiving other people. If somebody has sinned against you, if somebody has hurt you, if somebody has done something wrong to you, we as believers, if you're a believer here this morning, we must forgive. Because if we don't forgive, then Jesus says in other places, we won't be forgiven. And finally, Jesus instructs us to pray for protection from temptation. The temptation to go our own way. The temptation to make wrong decisions. We had to ask for God's protection. And so the Lord's Prayer gives us an example prayer for praying for guidance in our lives. Now, this example prayer, as we said already, it, it should be something that we pray daily. Not this exact prayer, but we need to make prayer a daily part of our lives. It, it should be a way of life. It shouldn't just be something that we pray when we get in trouble. When we're in a big crisis. Now, I'm not saying we don't pray when we're in a crisis. But prayer needs to be a way of life. Now, suppose you want to run a race. We have some runners here uh, in the audience. So if I'm wrong, you can correct me afterwards. Okay? 
Suppose you want to run a race, say a half marathon. Let me make it clear, I don't want to run a half marathon. This is just an example. Okay, once a long time ago, I ran a 5K, and that's probably it for my life, okay? So I'm not a runner, but some of you here are. Suppose you want to run a half marathon. I understand that's, that's 13 miles. And my understanding is you can't just wake up today and say, I want to run a half marathon next week and expect to make it. You'll probably kill yourself. Uh, you have to be in training. You're not going to be up for the challenge. And what I've read, if you're regularly running 15 to 20 miles a week, then you can get ready for a half marathon in, in a few months, two to four months of training, depending on, on your previous uh, experience. And so you've got to be regularly training in order to run this half marathon. Regularly running, and then you accelerate, and you get ready for the big race. And the same way, if you wait for a crisis to come to start praying, you won't have much success. You're not going to be ready. Your faith is going to be low. You're not going to be strong enough in your prayer life to really see the answer that you need. I'm not saying don't pray in a crisis. I'm saying pray as a way of life so that you're ready when big decisions come. Praying daily as Jesus instructs, and then you'll be ready for the challenges that are going to come into your life from time to time. Now Jesus then goes on to tell a story to illustrate how we ought to pray, how we ought to ask for God's direction. In verse 5, it says, He said to them, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. So here's what's going on with this story. I was, personally, I find it a little confusing when I read it. Uh, there's a number of friends here. There's three friends, if you look at it carefully. I'm going to call them friend one, friend two, and friend three, because I don't know what their names are. And it helps me keep track. But anyhow, friend one had an unexpected guest. It was late at night and somebody knocks on his door. And here it is, friend two. Friend two has come on a long journey. And they just got there at late at night. Unexpectedly. And normally, in that day and time, bread was baked in the morning. And they ate it during the day. And it was usually gone by night. And the next morning, they baked some more bread. Well, lo and behold, in, in friend one's house, there was no bread left. And so friend two has arrived. He's famished. He has nothing to eat. And they have nothing to feed him. And so not only was it not good because friend two was starving, but it was considered in that day and age the hospitable thing to do to provide for a guest. It's still considered today, but... Back then, if you didn't do it, you were just considered lower than the low by not providing for somebody who came. And so he had a real need. And so friend one has nothing to feed friend two with, and so he goes to friend three who has a house next door. Remember, this is about midnight. People went to sleep at midnight back then, just as most of us are asleep now. And he went out to friend three's house next door, and he bangs on the door. 
and says, please, friend, I'm your friend. Remember me? I live two houses down. Now, I'm in deep trouble. I need three loaves of bread. Please, I, I have reason to think that you've got some extra bread. Open the door and give me three loaves of bread so I can feed friend two. So what happens? Well, it's not really surprising what happens. Verse 7, then the one inside, this is friend uh, 3, he answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are with me in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. Look, I've gone to sleep for the night. The children are asleep. You better watch out or I'll call the police, you know, for knocking on my door at midnight. I can't help you. Go back to sleep. It's not that urgent a request. I'm your friend, but friend, you're asking too much. Ask me to get up and give you bread at midnight. And so the end result is friend one's request is delayed. He didn't receive an answer to his request. He knocked on the door. He asked, and the answer was no. I'm not getting up. I'm not giving you anything. So what does he do? Does friend one give up? Does he go home? No. He doesn't give up. He persists. Verse 8. I tell you though, I tell you, Jesus is talking, though he will not give up, get up, his friend three won't get up, and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And so in the story, friend one keeps on knocking on friend three's door. And finally, Friend three apparently decides, you know, I'm not going to get any sleep anyhow. <laughs> this guy won't quit knocking. I better get up and give him the bread that he's asking for. Because of his persistence, because of his boldness, not because he was his friend. Now remember this story is Jesus' illustration about prayer. What did Jesus say in, in that example prayer? We ought to pray daily, pray every day for our daily bread. And here the man is Knocking, asking for bread, for a need. And so friend three is meant to make us think of God our Father who we knock on heaven's door, asking for our daily bread. If friend three would eventually get up and give the bread because friend one kept knocking on the door, how much more will our Father in heaven give us what we're asking for if we persist in knocking, if we persist in asking for the daily bread that we need for our lives. But Jesus is also warning us that we shouldn't be surprised sometimes for delayed answers. That we shouldn't be surprised. That the answer might not come immediately. Why does God often delay the answer to our prayers? Why does he often delay the answer for prayers for direction? Well, I can't answer that question in every, for every circumstance, but God's delays, they build our faith. And they show us who is truly dependent on him. You know, if God was uh, kind of like a genie in the sky and you just snapped your fingers and whatever you said, he did it, Everybody would be snapping their fingers and asking God. But yet we need to pray 
with patience, believing that even if God doesn't answer immediately, he will ultimately answer our prayers. Now, what happens when we ask God for direction and we, we get no answer? We really have two options. The first option is we give up. We knock on the door of heaven. The answer doesn't come. We say, hey, I guess God's not going to answer. We go on with our lives and make our decision without God's input. The second option is we don't give up. We keep praying. We keep asking. We keep knocking on the door until God gives us the wisdom we've asked for. I'm reminded of an Old Testament story in which God promised Abraham that he would have a son. The answer was delayed for many, many years. And God kept, I mean, Abraham kept asking God for this son to come, and God just kept saying, wait. And finally, or saying nothing, the, the answer didn't come, the son didn't come, and finally Abraham decided to take the matter into his own hands. And Sarah gave him Hagar, her handmaiden, and he had a son with this handmaiden. The son's name was Ishmael. Ishmael is the ancestor of the modern Arabs. He was, uh, he's claimed to be the ancestor of Muhammad the prophet, who was the founder of Islam. And so we know all the problems that have arisen from Abraham making a decision on his own without following God's direction because the answer didn't immediately come. And now to Abraham's credit, he realized he made a mistake and he kept believing God and ultimately the son of promise came, Isaac, when Abraham was 99 years old. And so if you're praying for wisdom and the answer doesn't immediately come, don't take things into your own hands. You don't want to mess up like Abraham did. Keep waiting God knows when the right time for the answer to come is. And I, I found God has this way oftentimes of answering in the nick of time. At the last minute, when all's going to be lost, if he doesn't answer, God finally answers. And so don't give up even if the answer seems delayed. We need to believe God's promises. So Jesus wraps up after this story in verse 9 and 10. He says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And so these verses here are promises regarding prayer. Jesus is talking about prayer. Prayer in three ways of, of asking, of seeking, of knocking. And of course, we just had a story where the guy is knocking on the door. Earlier in the year, I, I talked about these three words as levels of intensity of prayer. Asking, then seeking, then finally knocking. And God wants us to keep on. What I want to emphasize today is that the person who believes God's promises right here, you're going to keep on until the answer comes. You're not going to give up in your prayer. Jesus told a multitude of uh, many illustrations Many parables about not giving up in prayer. Now, why did he have all these stories? It's because people tend to give up in praying. They pray and it doesn't happen. The answer doesn't come. And they take things into their own hands and just totally mess things up. And so don't do that. Pray. Believe God. Keep on praying until the answer comes. 
Jesus goes on to say that God gives good gifts. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. And we'll finish the sentence in a minute. And why would Jesus say things like this? It's because obviously some people are afraid to ask God for things because they're afraid of what he's going to say. They're afraid of what he's going to give them. This is particularly true with respect to asking for guidance. Some people are afraid to ask God what to do because there are certain answers they don't want to hear. They've already decided what they want to do. So why ask God? He might say something different than I want to do. And I've already got it planned out, God, so maybe I better not ask you because I'm afraid what you're going to give me as an answer isn't going to be good. That person is claiming to know better than God. That's not really a wise thing to... To claim God gives good gifts. If an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will our heavenly father give good gifts to us as his children as we ask him? As we ask him for wisdom, as we ask him for other things as well. I believe we forfeit many good gifts, many directions that God wants to give us because we give up before the answer comes. Now, Jesus ends his teaching on prayer with, with an ending that is often not talked about. It's, it's missed by many people. But I believe it's a very important part of his teaching on prayer. He says in verse 13, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If an earthly father will give good gifts to his children, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when Jesus has been talking about asking for bread, he talked about asking for daily bread in the example prayer, in the Lord's Prayer. He, he spoke about the friend at midnight asking for bread, referring to our needs. And here at the end of his teaching on prayer, Jesus gives a concrete example of asking God for something, not something generic like daily bread. It was the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't worded directly as a command. But the implication here is that asking for the Holy Spirit is, is really the very best gift we could ask for. You see, the Holy Spirit is, is God himself. Many ignore this verse and other passages and teach believers receive all the Holy Spirit they need when they become saved. Well, why would Jesus then say, ask for the Holy Spirit? The Bible teaches that we need to continually ask, daily ask for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is our counselor. He's our teacher. He's the one who guides us. He's to live inside of us and give us direction in life. Next week, we're going to learn more about hearing the whisper of the Spirit. Hearing the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we seek God for guidance, how the Holy Spirit can Give us that guidance as we learn to listen to him. You know, a long time ago, when you traveled, the kids won't even know this anymore, you, you got paper maps. Remember paper maps? You kind of spread them out. They're about this big. And uh, 
you know, you tried to order those before you went on a trip, or if you didn't, you, when you moved out of the state you were in, you got a map of the next state, you'd have to stop at a, at a gas station and hope they had a map. Because if you didn't have a map, how are you going to know how to get where you're going? And I remember sometimes being lost in a, a city, and I had a map, but I didn't know where I was. And so it was very hard to tell where I was supposed to go because here was this map, but was I here, was I here, was I here? I didn't know. Today, things are much better, aren't they? We have GPS in our vehicles or on our phones, and it tells us, exactly where we're at and if we punch in where we want to go it'll tell us how to get there some of it will even have a voice a little computer voice telling us turn right turn left don't go there no I don't know exactly what they say but it'll tell us how to get to where we're going and sometimes I think we we think of God as an external map you know we're going our own direction and God can you please give me direction. You're out there somewhere and I know you know the way. Can you give me some direction? But the Holy Spirit God has given to us is to be an, like an internal GPS. The Holy Spirit is to live inside of us. He's, he's not out there far away. You know, God in some distant galaxy, I'm asking for directions. No, the Holy Spirit is inside of a believer, like an internal GPS. The Holy Spirit knows where you're at. The Holy Spirit knows where you're supposed to go. Even though you might not even know your destination, where it's supposed to be. And he can give you direction to get there. To get where God wants you to go. Turn right. Turn left. Don't go that direction. Go this direction. And we need to be relying on the Holy Spirit's GPS each and every day of our lives. Believing that God is going to guide us. Our footsteps each and every day. And so prayer is simply communication with God. Not only asking God for direction and guidance, but hearing him give us that direction and guidance as he speaks back to us. Jesus prayed continually. He prayed every day. And we need to follow his example and pray daily. In fact, the Bible instructs us to pray without ceasing. Continually. Be in constant communication with God. When we ask God for direction, sometimes the answer will be delayed. And God will say, you're not ready for that right yet. Just hold on. When it's the right time, I'm going to tell you where to go. But just believe me, keep going. And I'll tell you when you need to turn. And so don't give up. Be persistent in patient prayer until the answer comes. God's answer will come. It's never going to be late if you believe. Believe God's promises. If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be opened. And God's answers for us are good gifts. Every direction that God gives you is the right direction. It's the best direction for you. It's the best direction for your family. It's the best direction for your life. And God's very best gift is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Who We need to seek to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit so that he can guide us as our counselor and our guide. 
And as we follow God's direction, we'll get to our destination each and every time. Following God's plan for your life begins with the most important decision that any of us ever has made or will make. The decision whether to submit our lives to Jesus Christ. Today, if you're not sure that you know Jesus in your life, we're going to pray a simple prayer, asking him to come into your life, uh, admitting that you've done wrong things, that you've sinned, believing that Jesus died to forgive your sins, and committing your life to following him as your Savior and Lord. So I'd like us to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. And I encourage you to pray along with me if you're not sure that you're a believer or you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've made a lot of decisions on my own. I've gone my own way. I haven't sought your direction for my life. And I, I know I have sinned. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please come into my life. I commit myself to following you and your plan as my Lord and Savior. Help me to carry out what you created me to do each and every day of my life. For those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would help us in our prayer lives. God, today we thank you for teaching us more about prayer. Teaching us the importance of patient prayer. God, help us to pray daily. In fact, help us to pray without ceasing, continually being in communication with you. Forgive us for the times we lose our connection and just go about on our own. Help us to be in constant communication with you in prayer. And today, God, we ask for your direction for each and every person here. We acknowledge that we need your wisdom. We need your guidance, God, to make major decisions and to make minor decisions because only you know the future. Only you know the plan and the path that we're to take. Forgive us, God, for becoming impatient and going our own way when we don't immediately receive the answer. Help us to keep on praying until the answer comes. Today, God, we affirm that we believe your promises. That when we ask, we'll receive. When we seek, we'll find. And when we knock, the door will be opened. We believe that you give good gifts and that you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so today we ask, God, for more of your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit, God, we pray. So that he can be our counselor and he can be our guide. Give us ears, Lord, that we can hear the Spirit's voice. And give us a heart to obey what he tells us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.